This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wick and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, and Damien Farrar Hockley. Let's kick off with the action from last weekend a two all home draw against rock bottom Fleetwood Town. Our poor run of form continues, but it could have been much worse with the Cods looking for their first point under new boss Charlie Adam. They ultimately left HP12 with a precious point, but it could have easily have been all three as they took advantage of a wretched first half performance from the Blues, taking a two-goal lead into the halftime break. But as they always say, football is a game of two halves and Bloomfield's men dominated the final 45 minutes. We did look a little cursed at one point as Luke Leahy missed his second consecutive penalty after a handball in the box, but GMAC made no mistake with his effort when we were awarded another spot kick moments later. Our second half domination continued, but it wasn't pretty as we desperately scrambled for the afternoon saving equaliser. Thankfully, the comeback was completed with less than 10 minutes from time, courtesy of Richard Kone, who was in the right place at the right time to score the first of what we hope should be many goals in the EFL. Lads, make that one win in 17 league games now. I think we need to get a depression ticker going. Uh, A very different game to the 4-1 battering at Highbury earlier this season. Uh, What are your thoughts after yet another disappointing performance? Yeah, that first half was was rank, wasn't it? That's as as bad as I've seen it for a long, long, long time. And I've been going since late 80s, early 90s, and that's the the worst 45 minutes of football I've seen for a long time. <clears throat> I don't really know where it came from either. Um, you know, we we weren't even challenging for second balls. It wasn't that we weren't winning second balls. We weren't even challenging for second balls. We couldn't pick passes out, whether they were three yards or 33 yards. Um, we didn't look like scoring. We looked shaky at the back. When I think we were all agreed that actually that back four has looked pretty consistent and pretty solid over the last few uh, few outings. So it, it was really, really frustrating. Um, and to Bloom's credit, and look, he's taken a lot of stick over the last couple of weeks, but to Bloom's credit, he's obviously gone in there and given him a bollock him. He's changed the shape. He's put Kone on. Um, we've got the ball much, much wider in the second half. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately it's paid off and we've got a point. Um it's always going to be difficult to play a side like that. First of all, they're scrapping for every point they can get. Um, but secondly, you know, newish manager, you haven't really got a lot of a lot of data to go on. I know they're very data driven and a lot of games to watch. Um, so I'm not really surprised that they were very, very different to how they were up there. Um, but look, credit to Fleetwood. There's there's two teams in in every football match, and I thought Fleetwood actually came out and set their stall out right from the beginning. They could quite easily have come and put 10 men behind the ball and, and walked away with a nil-nil draw. Um, but they didn't. They really went for us. Um, you know, I thought they looked really, really useful going forward. Um, <clears throat> we didn't defend well, but they looked useful going forward. Um, and look, I think the the positives that we saw in the second half have to be taken into, into the next games, and we've got to start building on them. I think a lot of the 
people who turned up looked past our form and looked at their league position and what happened in the early game in the season just thought yeah, it's going to be easy in it and unfortunately i think almost the players possibly did the same thing the level the level of uh, play was just not there uh, i've said it over and over again and i'm going blue in the face for this we can have this problem and it happened over many years when we play a team that's below our level we always drop down to it i've never understood it doesn't matter who the manager is doesn't matter who the players is it seemed to happen every time in that first half it we played like a team who was bottom of the league uh we're probably i know we're pretty much bottom of the form table but we played like a team who was yeah well positions look look reversed i mean i know we're not high up the table but fleetwood looked like the team that were outside the relegation zone certainly um we let them play like that and it just wasn't good enough i agree that they must have got a bollock in at, at half time um but i do think blooms has got to get a bit of credit for a couple of substitutions bringing on sadlia was a good thing because we just started looking even more dangerous down that wing when sadlia came on and uh, obviously Mr. Kona came on and delivered the goods. I'm just a little, the only thing I was a bit um, disappointed with is obviously because of the state of the game and he wanted to get on with it, he couldn't properly celebrate because that could have been a major celebration. You know, first EFA goal if it was a winning goal or you know, or if taking us two two up or something. But no, um, second half was a hundred percent better, but it couldn't have been much worse. I think it's such a shame that we're coming into what is you know the the bottom side haven't won in four and um we're looking at a first half where they pretty much uh dominated the attacking threat uh my worry from it is that if no one if promise hadn't got sent off would we have drawn that 2-2 um because they completely changed their formation to try and preserve their lead. We knew that they were there for the taking. And as a result, we've ended up with a two all draw. Um, we, you know, the fact that Jaden Stockley has been done in the penalty area for a handball, you know, their striker has been done in our area for a handball tells you how defensive they, they kind of went in the end. Um, not that he was playing back in defense, but at that point in time, you know, the, the striker really shouldn't really be in the box, should he? Uh, whether you've got a corner or not. Um, I just, I, I can't get over that first half performance. As Adam says, you know, there's people out there. It's not just you, Adam, who's been there since the crack of dawn and Demo that's been there since the foundation that are sitting there saying that's the, the worst, most turgid performance they've seen um, under Wickham. I mean, we've we've literally watched the twilight years uh, back when we had like Gary Waddock and, Peter Taylor and all those kind of managers. And that was somehow worse than that. Um, I just, I, I, I don't understand it. We're, we're coming into a game where we haven't won on the back of 16 and this is a perfect opportunity to actually pick up three points. And why did we not go out and show any fight in the first place? And why does it take us to go goal, two goals down and sending off in order for us to get our asses into gear? It's just, it confounds me completely and that's I don't think that's a manager problem in the first half that's a player problem that's an attitude problem so how do we how do we solve that you're bang on there Dan 100% it shouldn't take it shouldn't it shouldn't take that much to for us to go oh shit we probably should do something about it we've got Cheltenham next week and we've got a hard run of fixtures I'm not looking forward to going to Bolton away um because that is just going to be hard. I mean, that could be that could that they're the only team this season that have actually capitulated against us. Really, uh, all of them have been narrow losses. But if we play like we did in that first half, bloody hell, is we're in for a tough ride for the second half of the season. That that first half was. Um, I think I would have rather. Turgid. I would have rather cut off my leg. Than, than watch another second of it. It was torturous. It was just awful. And I remember saying to chat, I was just saying that, you know, we we were being battered everywhere from from pillar to post. We were being outplayed, outfought by a side, you know, at, at the bottom of the table who were very much playing, like Damo said, you know, we're, we're in our position and we're looking to push on. Um, I, I am really uh, at a loss to explain it and really 
kind of work it out. But I, I'm in agreement with you, Dan. I mean, it's it's definitely a, you know, that you can only chalk that up to, to being a player problem. And, uh, you know, it's obviously the, the atmosphere at Adams Park, you know, there was this, it was, it was weird. It was very much kind of expecting to get something against a side that we beat 4-1, beat very comfortably only a few months ago. But, you know, that's a lifetime in football, particularly... Uh, this season, clearly for us. Um, you know, I, I really think the this kind of arrogance that we had going into the game was was a little bit worrying. Uh, yeah, I, I predicted that we 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 would yeah we were going to win. I think we all predicted that we would have gotten something against Fleetwood. Um, but you know, we need to give Fleetwood some some credit. You know, they uh they were very difficult to play against. Um. They were essentially a completely different side to the one that we encountered uh, that first game uh, earlier on in the season. Um, Charlie Adam is clearly doing something and uh, is trying to get them a bit more defensively organised. Uh, very physical side as well, something like 23 fouls committed over the course of the game. And I think that they were lucky to see the game out with just 10 men. Uh, I think that there could have been a couple more red cards in there for them as well. They were physical. They came for a draw. They came for a point, didn't they? And uh, that's ultimately what they got. But that performance in the first half, um, one of life's great mysteries, you know these these are professional players i mean that they they're used to you know being up against it and being playing through difficult times um so i'm i'm not really sure i accept that they didn't play very well because of the atmosphere of adams park the one thing that confounds me i think more than anything really is the fact that we if you remember the away game we actually went to fleetwood um on the back of mccleary and vokes starting to really get into form we absolutely shook it up to a point where we were like what is he doing with this front three because it was like taylor um up top with phillips just behind um can't remember who we had on the wings but it wasn't gmac we had phillips playing as well um freddie and they just ran the show and we thought oh well actually you know he's done his research against fleetwood and you know that's why we won 4-1 um i just don't know why that wasn't applied to this. They, they were playing with essentially the same team as we we played against up there. I mean, it's only a couple of months ago. Um, it just shows you how much our morale has been shot since then, and how much that's affected it. I give credit to Fleetwood. Yeah, maybe you know they came and fought hard, but I think it's the same as essentially they're going into that game as an underdog. And that's the same as you would expect any underdog to fight. But eventually, if you have enough quality in the squad, and we have enough quality and talent in the squad, they should be seeing that out and winning the game. I know we're going to touch on it a bit later, so I won't go into detail, but the comment that came out after the game that they wanted it more, it's just wholly unprofessional. It really is for a professional football team. They wanted it more, and we let them have it basically and i really don't understand how as a professional football you can say they wanted it more um you should want every single game especially in the position we're in and i just, I, I just don't get it i don't understand that mindset i'm a little bit with you Damo, and <clears throat> michael something you said on um you said earlier sorry um really sort of rang true with me um and that is that We've got a young manager in charge who's, who's inexperienced and we knew what we were taking on at the start. The one thing that we do know about Blooms is that when the going gets tough, he gets going. Um, you know, we've seen him before as a player. He's always been a player who, regardless of, of what shortcomings he had, battled and battled and battled till the end and gave his all for the club. And I felt really sorry for him on Saturday um, in the first half because... Every single one of those players, all 11 of them, with no exceptions, let him down. Um, it was an absolutely disgusting performance um, to walk out there with the arrogance that they walked out there with. And there was times where, you know, we're dawdling on the ball. We're not even looking up. Damo, you spoke about um, Keo when we had him and how, how late he released the ball. How many times did that happen in that first half? Uh, to to all of our defenders. Too, it, too many to just, count. It, it was almost count. as if they hadn't listened to a word Blooms said. Blooms was doing his nut on the touchline. And 
they were absolutely shocking. And I, I'm a great believer in it can't always be the manager. Something has gone on in that squad for them to perform like they've been performing. And Dame, you're going to shoot me down for saying this. On Saturday, I would be starting with Jacobson at left back because he is somebody who will not let the standard slip. He wouldn't, if he was on the pitch, if he was on the pitch, that would not have happened on uh, on Saturday. Yes, he's a bit slower than he used to be, um, but if he had the armband on, that would not have been allowed to happen. Those standards would not have dropped. Yeah, there is too many players there who couldn't give a monkey's ass who their manager is as long as they're taking their pay pack at home. And it's been a long time since we've said that about a Wickham team. And we spoke at the beginning of the season about, you know, that little change of dynamic. Um, Gareth Ainsworth was always really, really careful about who he brought in and these people checks. And I'm concerned that the people checks we're doing perhaps aren't quite as, as detailed as the ones that we used to do. Because it looks to me like one or two bad eggs have got in the camp. And um, all of a sudden, one bad egg has turned into a lot of bad eggs. And I was really, really, really disappointed and really concerned by that performance. And like I say... All I've seen is abuse for Bloomfield, but actually massive credit to him for turning that around on Saturday. Um, for fair play, changed it early. He, he must have given him a kick in at half time. But the biggest disappointment for me is the players this week. I think that's a pretty good shout on JJ uh, starting at left back. Um, the reason why my ears pricked up when you said that was because uh, Luke's performance on Saturday. Now we're we're famous as the Luke Leahy Love Club. Uh, we drive that, um, but but Luke's performance on Saturday was was I think easily the worst we've seen him in in the Wickham in the Wickham quarters. Um, I you guys might disagree with me. I I'm not sure. I know that he's known uh, he can play left back, but I don't think in this side in this dynamic it's it's his it's the best place to he's play. Not left back is he? Um, I've. No, I think, I mean, if you play JJ on the left and you give him the strict instruction to stay in, you know, stay in, stay in a defensive, you know, holding formation. And then you put Luke uh, alongside Potts or Scowen when he's back. Um, and then Luke can obviously drift over to the left to provide a little bit of support and maybe act as that going forward player that JJ can't be because he's you know lost his lost his pace. Um, I think that's a pretty good shout. Uh, but but Luke, yeah, Luke on Saturday just off off character, off it really. Um, he's consistently been our best player, but that was easily his worst performance. Do you think he's just a bit tired, or do you think it's just a case of low morale like the rest, or do you think it's just a case that yeah, left back just doesn't really suit him in this week. Exactly side. that. I think a lot's been a, a lot's been put on him, hasn't it? Um, going to left back, he, he didn't come to the club as a left back. He said he played a, a, a little bit of time for Shrewsbury, I think, at left back, but it was not his preferred position. Um, I would hundred percent play JJ as well because Luke's good, but JJ's definitely more of a set piece threat uh, than than Luke is for me. And although. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Luke play the long ball for the equaliser that led to the equaliser to uh, Vokes? So it does show what um, what he can do. But yeah, no, I, I'm not going to shoot you down, Adam, at all. I would definitely play JJ at left back and push Luke Luke forward. Yeah. Um, especially especially if uh, if Josh isn't. Yeah, back I yet. think um, I think Luke is by far our best player and been our most consistent player. And I. I like I'm, I'm loath to criticise. He didn't have his best game on Saturday, but I'm loath to criticise because he has been the one who all season has just done everything he's been asked to be. He's been asked to do. He's played centre back. He's played left back. He's played left wing back. He's played central midfield. He's played of a ten. He's played as a ten. He's played wide left. When you're coming into a brand new team in a brand new area and you're settling in, the one thing you want is a little bit of consistency. And he hasn't had it. And still, he's top of our assists chart and he's top of our goals chart. A massive, massive, massive amount of respect has to go to him for that, particularly as he missed those games after his injury. I think the other thing you have to remember is that that injury that he had was incredibly serious. Um, At one point, you know, they couldn't find a pulse. They thought he'd had a cardiac arrest. It was a very, very, very serious incident. And I don't care what anybody says. It's going to take you a little while to get back to your 
brilliant best. Um, and when you're being switched around week in, week out as to the position that you're playing in, um, I think it must be more difficult. You know, we've all played football at some level and all right, you know, none of us have played professionally, but it's all relative. Um, we know how difficult it is when, you know, Johnny hasn't turned up, he's hung over, you're going to have to play left back today and you you haven't played left back for 15 years. It's hard. Um, and, you know, I think Luke's performance wasn't the best. I think it was very telling that a lot of his corners, a lot of his free kicks were going astray. It was just one of those games that he had a bit of a mare and I think he'd probably put his hands up and, and, and admit it himself. But I'm not too concerned about that because I think he's... The, he's a top professional. I think he's the the real role model, and um, and I'm comfortable with the fact that he'll come back fighting, whether he plays tomorrow or whether he plays Saturday. I uh, I think he's wasted at left back. As I think, as we've all agreed there, and I think everyone can see that. And I think, to be honest with you, Luke going by his interviews has kind of admitted that himself. Um, I think JJ is part of the answer. I don't think he's the answer because he's in his late thirties now. Um, and to the point where he's not keeping up with the speed of League One properly. Uh, and we can't sustain the second half of the season, especially with the run of games that we have, relying on him playing game, game in, game in, game out. We need, we ideally need to get someone in for the second half of the season uh, in the next couple of days for a left back position because it can't just be JJ as the answer or Luke. 100%. Uh, Luke is so wasted. He has to be in that midfield. It's just, he he's so good at linking up with the rest of the midfield and bringing in the attacking player a bit more. And to be honest with you, maybe that's what we've been missing these last few games is the fact that he can't go into that midfield and do what he's been doing at the first half of the season. Because, you know, let's look at Blooms' form before his contract extension. We were nine games unbeaten and we were winning most of our games that we won this season were won in that period of time. So that's when Luke was in midfield. So I'm not saying that's the crux of the, pro- uh, crux of the problem. One thing I do actually want to say, because obviously you mentioned about morale and everything as well, Michael, is actually I, I, I think morale's a factor. But actually uh, one thing that we really haven't thought about is, is panic. I think there's an element of panic amongst the players at the moment because as the number keeps increasing about how, you know, how many games since their, you know, since a decent run of form, if you look at Fleetwood and Carlisle and everything, you know, that, that number's creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. I think it's setting panic. Like that second half, as much as we got back into it and we got those two goals, you could sense that they were panicking about what to do and they were just literally hitting and hoping, which is why Luke was just ploughing those balls in because they were just trying to make something stick and get, get a goal as soon as possible. And I, obviously I think the atmosphere probably exacerbated that slightly. Um but I think that's that's the crux of it, really. I think panic is the best way to describe the second half performance. We we rang the changes. We brought Kone on. We eventually brought Sadlier on as well. I would argue that he probably should have been brought on at halftime. Uh, Chem wasn't doing anything really for should us. Started. Yeah, should have started for sure. Um, learn, live and learn. Um, but made changes. But that second half performance, we we would. I mean, I, I used the word scrambling to score uh we we went after fleetwood and it was very much like it was bowling shoe ugly is probably the best way to describe it um we got the two goals yeah i think we were probably (laughs) i think we were probably i think we were probably a little you know we we could if if there was probably another 10 minutes could we've gotten that third it looked like it was on the cards didn't it um fleetwood uh really started to cave around the 70, 70 minute mark, they were really struggling against that constant torrent of, you know, 26 shots, 26 shots, seven of those on target, uh, 11 corners. We, you know, but it, it looked, you know, it was just flailing wild attempts to just get the ball forward. Panicked, uh, you used to describe it, Dan. That's it. We had two or three players going for the same shot. That tells yeah. you how much panic there is. That That is, you know, we, if... And that's the problem at the moment is there is that mass panic to get a win and and then start building up that form where they can't actually play their game properly at the moment. And that's the problem is that you've got mitigating factors which are just going to contribute and compound the problem. There's no composure in front of goal, is there? In fairness, there's no composure anywhere. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That could be about to change. Let's talk about some of the positives. I want to get from you guys your hero uh, of the game, and I feel like we might be fairly unanimous here. I'm going to go for someone that you probably might find surprising. Okay, we're not going to be fairly unanimous here. No. He played 20 minutes. I thought, sadly, it was a revelation when he came on. That's my hero of the match. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? Was, uh, there was a good amount of fight in him. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd go with the unanimous vote. It was Kone. Guy came on second half. He is cool. Not cool as in, you know, put his sunglasses on, 90s style kind of throws his thumbs up. Cool. He's uh, He's cool and calm and composed in front of goal. And that's what I love about him is the fact that even the the deflection coming to him, the way that he took it to lift it over the keeper, that was was nice composure. Um, but it was even the fight up the top. I think he links up with Vokeswell. I really, really, really see a Mooney Tyson kind of partnership with Vokes and Kone if they can pull it off. I would love that so much because that was a fun time to watch uh, when we saw Tyson and Mooney banging in the goals. Yeah, as it has to be a Wiccan player, I would have gone for our friend Promise Hurt if we could choose a, a Fleetwood player because I think he'd <laughs> turn the game in our favour. Um, but yeah, Kone. Um, Damo's got a great point. I think Sadlio was was good again when he came on. Um, but there were there were few standouts. Um, I know that's a that's a shocking revelation, but that's three games on the trot that I've uh, that I've praised him. Um, Look, Kone came on and he looked every bit a League One striker. He was pressing high. He looked busy. He looked bubbly. Um, he looked really, really, really keen to impress. Um, and I think that hunger is going to be really hard to match. Um, I just think that we need to sort of give him a give him a couple of games and and see how he does. You know, it's no good bringing him on for thirty minutes, forty minutes, forty five minutes here and there. Give him a start and let's start the game on the front foot rather than end the game on the front foot. Yeah, agreed. Um, we're going to get into uh, transfer window talk shortly. But before we do, uh, I know it was hinted at earlier on, but there was uh, obviously a couple of things coming out of the game that I think we need to talk about. First being GMAC's uh, interview after the game uh, kind of ruffled some feathers. I think it's clear what he was trying to to get at and I think the general sentiment is accepted but there were some things that he said that didn't go down too well and I think the general optics coming out of it wasn't super wonderful yeah I think you're right I think it was like I had a bit of a had a bit of a rant about it on socials um and I would say it to his face so I'll say it I think yes he's a senior player but he's one of those players who's down tools over the last couple of weeks not been good at all um, not been anywhere near good enough um, and to come out and criticise the supporters um, is your first point is not good enough it's not acceptable I, I really don't agree with booing um, I've said it many a times before I don't know where this booing culture comes from and it's only a football thing um, but I actually genuinely believe that after that first half of Dross people had a right to boo um, I'm just going to use me as a um, as an example, but what these overpaid prima donnas have to remember is that the mere mortals like ourselves spend a huge amount of money traveling around the country to support them. Um, you know, I buy Lockie both goalkeeper kits, the three outfield kits cost the best part of 400 quid, two season tickets, again, 400 quid. Going to Cheltenham next week, it's 40 quid for the tickets. It's a £100 day out. I'm going to Bolton, that'll be another £100 quid day out. Um, you know, it costs a huge amount of money. And I think what GMAC really missed in that interview was any kind of empathy for the supporters who are going through it at the same time. As an experienced player who's had years of media training, he would have been much better advised coming out saying that first half wasn't good enough. We're all to blame. Um, it's not the manager. It's not the supporters. We're the players on the pitch. We know what we have to deliver and we haven't done it. And I'm sorry. However, when we're being booed, it doesn't help our confidence. We really want the fans there. We really want you behind us. And we'll, we'll get through this together. 
that would have been a much more positive message than the drivel that he spouted after the game. Um, and I was re- I was really, really cross. You know, they don't ask us to do it, but I do it for Lockie. I stand in the bloody freezing cold and pissing rain every single week to wait for those players to come out regardless of the result. He hangs on every single word they say. When kids like that hear an atmosphere like that in the ground and then hear a player coming out criticising the supporters as a whole, how do you think that resonates with them? Um, it's much more difficult in a seven-year-old's mind to to get straight what people are saying and why they're saying it and and what they're actually trying to get at. And I, I really thought that was poor form from from GMAC. And I think after he said it, I think he realised because he did put a message on his on his social saying it could have been worded better. Um, my takings from it, I thought I'd wake up on Sunday and be less angry about it. I was actually more angry on Sunday. Um, I, th- I think my takings from it were the sentiment and the things that came out of it were probably right, but the way that he delivered it was absolutely appalling. Um, and I think the club have a have a duty of care to make sure they're putting the right people in front of the camera um, after a game like that. I think Jack Grimmer spoke so brilliantly a few weeks ago. Um, I was really, really disappointed with the way that GMAT came across. Look, I'm I'm not going to hold a grudge and refuse to go and watch him. Um, he's, he's admitted it. He's held his hands up. He said that he could have worded it better. We still think he's... On his day, he's probably our most talented player um, and our most creative player for his age. His pace and his guile is is absolutely something that we need. But I think best advice would be to to stick to the football and uh, and not the media duties. I think. Going to change your name by Deepol to Adam Booper. Yeah, look, you could have worded it better. Um, I know for a fact that he came out and wanted to address it. Uh, directly uh, don't think he was going for all fans like you said Adam uh, I think there's an element of obviously look, there there is and rightfully so people are unhappy uh, with what's going on we're unhappy hence why we're we're voicing it on here but um, I think yeah the guy is absolutely deflated I mean you look at his tone of voice you look at his posture uh, and everything else in that video and the guy's down um, and regardless of any situation we love our pets but when the floor is covered in fur that's harder to love eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum has powerful 8000 pa suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass plus the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last minute winner? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, I, I train media training for a, for a living as part of what I do and, you know, it's it's hard to kind of train or or support someone who is is feeling that way at the moment. It must be hard for them, um, you know, to to be able to come out and and actually speak about these problems and and how they're going to address it. Because ultimately, their their talking is done on the pitch. Um, you know, essentially, the the only way that they're going to be able to put this form right. Um, and, and obviously reduce the criticism is, is by putting the form right. But, you know, the fact that he's come out and, and actually said, look, yeah, we need to do better. But the problem is with it is that he really needed to just say, we need to be united front as fans and players. Um, I, I, I think what happened, in, especially in that first half, and rightfully so because it was shit, but people kick it off about it. I, I, don't, I think that really got to the players quite a bit. Um, 
I think the thing is as well is that, yeah, GMAC's older, but it will have deeply affected some of those younger players too. And it's not saying that it's wrong, as I say, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, we we have the right to criticise as paying customers, essentially, of this game. Um, But it's, it's hard for you to articulate yourself. I mean, look, I've been 10 years in this game and even there's times now where I can't articulate myself properly on this pod. So expect a guy who's been also doing it for years to do that when he's feeling pretty down about his job and everything else. Yeah, he should have worded it better, but he's human. And he's probably come out of a dressing room where you've got young lads who are probably deeply upset with what's going on in their workplace at the moment. Um, And he's just not done it the best way. But his message, sit as simple, is is right. You know, as fans and supporters, we need to unite. Division will only cause further problems. Um, we can rightfully be critical, but there's an element of balance to it, and that's what we've got to think about here. Do you think, Dan, from your like professional opinion rather than a Wickham fan's opinion, do you think there's? And we've spoken about this before in slightly dis- different circumstances, but do you think there's a sort of duty of care from the club? as to who they're putting in front of a camera that soon after a game. Um, you know, nobody knows the players mm. better than their employers themselves. Even if GMAC's chomping at the bit to to go and say something, and you know he's the kind of character who, who perhaps does get a bit too emotional or can't get his point across. Do you think the club would have been better off saving that perhaps for, you know, Sunday or a Monday and like a bit of a GMAC rallying cry when he's had some time to sleep on it? rather than sticking a microphone in his face straight after the game because he looked and looked some of it will have been disappointed but look, he's played in he's played in worse teams than our team he's played in teams in much worse situations than us um he looked really uncomfortable really uncomfortable um and that to me was yeah, was less of a disappointment and more of a kind of discomfort to the situation he looks uncomfortable because it's an uncomfortable situation. No one likes going in front of a camera and talking about something that's horrible. We all like going into a camera and talking about something that's, that's all positive and happy and, you know, coming off the back of a wind and everyone's smiling. Um, the the thing about this kind of stuff is everyone would do it different ways. Um, you know, whatever role we're in, you know, Michael would do it differently. Damo would do it differently. You'd do it differently. I'd do it differently. We've all got opinions mm-hmm. on it. Um, from... I work from more of a corporate point of view. I would personally use time um, to my advantage. So, yes, I would have probably put that out on a Sunday. Um, but I think if you look at it in the context that it's in, GMAC has come out and wanted to say something straight away, a bit like what Jack did the other week. Um and I think the fact that it's come from the heart a bit more, I think is a is better for me. And I'm not I'm not criticizing Matt's interviews, but Matt and Gaz, who are both very media trained, they're towing the party line yeah. and you know what you're gonna get from that that interview. Whereas when you're speaking to the player when they're speaking to the players, you you I'm not saying Matt's not being honest, but you're getting more of a from the heart kind of response. Um as I say, I just unfortunately I don't think he articulated himself the way that he means it. But if you take his words in the round, you understand what he means. So I think it's a bit harsh to say he's been down in tournament, but him, like a lot of the players, have been uh, out of form. But I think it's been coming to a head with GMAC. Um, I saw him and I noticed him in particular uh, since the Orient game. He came over when the fans were getting ultra critical at the end and. You could see the hurt in his eyes. You could see he was t- he was he was gesturing for everyone to calm down, and it hasn't got any better. I mean, we had that. Yes, we had a happy day against the, against Rovers, but apart from that, it's just been non-stop toxic booing. And I think literally his his, his heart's taken over his head just after that game because he can't take it anymore. And like you said, Dan, he's human, so unfortunately that's going to happen. Let's hope that we do something to uh, to stop this rot soon. We'll talk Cheltenham in a couple of minutes, but let's talk transfers first. It's just a couple of days until the January transfer window slams shut. 
get your yellow ties out. Uh, it's already been an incredibly busy one for the club with a number of crucial ins and outs. Uh, let's start with the good news first. We have another attacking option with the arrival of Berry Lee Lubala, who joins after leaving Burton a couple of days ago. Lubala is well known to Blooms, having played under him at Colchester last season, but he's better known to us for his more recent exploits, his final goal for Burton being that exquisite strike from outside the box against us only a few weeks ago. Uh, Lads, this is fresh, um, but what are your thoughts on this latest addition? Why? What do you mean, why? I don't don't see why we've signed him. We've just got... See, you've got Tim Campbell in, you've got this new lad from uh, QPR, you've got Richard Coney in... What's it saying to the rest of to the rest of the attacking players? We're getting another attacking player in. We need def- uh, defensive players. We don't need another attacking player. Is, and also, the fact the fact that the Burton fans are, are basically driving him to Adams Park doesn't shout positivity to me. I'm f- sorry. The thing is, when, I, uh, I wanted no, to prove I mean, me wrong. I'd love him to prove me wrong. When you're playing four, I, I just don't think we needed to sign him. When you're playing four attacking players, realistically, you need eight attacking players in your squad who are ready to go. Um, we've seen TJ depart. We've seen Lyle Taylor depart. We've seen Killian Phillips depart. Um, I look. There's been an awful lot of criticism for this young kid who nobody really knows huge amounts about, other than he's played less games than Leahy, and he's scored six goals, which would make him our second highest scorer in less games than our highest. For scorer. a struggling Burton yeah, side, for as well, a struggling Burton side. Um, Everybody said he refused to play on Saturday. Do you know why he refused to play on Saturday? He refused to play on Saturday because he knew he was signing for us and he didn't want to get injured. He wanted to come into it fresh. He's keen, he's hungry, and he wants to go. This, to me, is is a typical Blooms signing. Um, I agree with you, Damo. I still think we're screaming out for a left-back. Um, we're absolutely crying out for a left-back. But I think he wants to try and play positive football. And we need that depth of attacking or wealth of attacking depth um, because of the way we play. And he's just overloading those attacking players at the minute. I'm not convinced that Kadu is ever going to be a starter. I think he's going to be 10, 15 minutes off the bench. So to me, somebody who's who's fresh, fit, firing, has scored more goals than 99% of our team in less minutes can only be a positive thing, but let's judge after he's played three or four games. One a touch on the fact that same Burton fans were driving him. Burton fans were driving him here because they were pissed off at the fact he didn't want to play on Saturday. And as Adam said, he, he wanted to be fresh for this. He was on a short-term contract at Burton and he knew that was coming to an end. Um, whereas we've offered him what seems to be a much longer contract. We've not offered him until the end of the season by the looks of it. It seems to be a, a bit more of a longer that. Otherwise, we would have said it was a short-term thing. Um the, the fact is as well is that when it was announced that he was going, there were Blackpool fans and fans from when he was at other clubs saying, we should sign him. So they must he must have had a bit of an impact there at the time uh, for for them to, to want him back. Um, there was I, some what I saw, saying that, that about Lyle Taylor and look what happened there. Yeah, I know, but the guy was 18 months out of football and... You know, Adam Adam was right on that one. It was the fact that he, he wasn't match sharp and essentially we got him to match sharpness where he's now playing at Cambridge and scored on his debut. This guy's coming fit. He scored a great goal against us. And actually, he was one of those Tracking that I thought on, on for Burton, he he looked he looked quite sharp. He, he, he looked like he was causing our defence problems, which is which is what you want as a, as a striker. As Adam says, he gives us another option up front. He gives us another option on the wing. He's he's got a bit of pace about him. He looks him. like he could play as a ten as well. He look, look like from what I saw against Burton, and yeah. like I wasn't there. I only saw it on um, on the player. But um, he looks like kind of his build, his height, that low centre of gravity. It looks like he could probably play in that ten position and give Dale Taylor a bit of a push. And obviously, with Phillips departing, mm-hmm. there's not too many more players in that squad who you'd say. Yeah, they can play as a 10. Leahy could probably play there. Um, but I don't think that's his strongest position. But I I think he would he would suit that number 10 position brilliantly. Um, and maybe we're going to change the formation again. Maybe Blooms has got a, a picture in his head of what he wants to do. 
Um, but he just hasn't got the personnel to do it at the moment. Now we've moved away from five at the back. So I think we've got to wait and see. I've seen a lot of people jumping on the kid's back and he's not really done a lot wrong. I think it's just indicative of where the fan base is currently. The The announcement was just met with such muted response. And it's really strange to see, you know, the old breaking news transfer news gif coming out and and all the you know all the all the banter with matt and tom you know that that usually gets us going and to to have it kind of fall flat was very very sad to see and you know you you can only feel sorry for the for the for the kid as well who's you know coming to the club excited about this move and it's crickets and um look i i will be you know i'll be honest i don't i don't know enough so I can't really get too excited, and I also can't. I'm I'm never going to be disappointed about us signing players, new players. Um, obviously, TJ's gone. We needed another attacking option. I also think that this could, um, because if I remember correctly, he can play either side. So this is potentially gives uh, GMAC a little bit of time to go and recharge his batteries, because God knows he needs that right now. Um, gives us options. I like the idea potentially, and I don't know what you boys will think of this. You know, I love the four four two, but I also love a four three three. And I think if you've got uh, Sadlier um, and uh, Lubala on on either side with Kone in the middle, mm, that's some that's some sweet music right there. Um, but yeah, we you know six goals this season. Uh, Adam, as you said, you know that that would put him just one goal behind uh, Luke, and he's played less games. Um, I don't expect him to come screaming out the gates, but it's a good addition. And what I do like as well is it's a permanent deal as well. It's not another loan. It, he's a, he's going to be a Wiccan Wanderers player through and through. Let's give him some time. Let's see what happens. It makes me laugh when it comes to the transfer window because you're, you're never going to get everyone absolutely happy. But for some reason, football fans, and this isn't just isolated to Wiccan fans, all football fans seem to have this mentality that we can only do dealings on one player at one time. So we bring in Labella and it's like, and I'm not criticising you, Dave, are we? I'm really not. But they're like, what about a left back? What about a centre midfield? We can actually talk to other people at the same time as well as talking to this guy. And they're probably in the works as well. Just throwing that out there. I'm not criticising you, Damo. I'm not. He is criticising you, Damo. It, it's, it's all I've seen today we need a defender, yeah, yeah. I know we need a defender. We're probably fucking talking to one, like, yeah. I, I, I just, yeah. It makes me laugh every time I see it. it. It's always, always the case. But do you know what? As well, and I've seen posts up going, "Ah, oh, well, he's not got me excited. Uh, didn't really do anything for Burton. Well, Ali Alhamidi didn't do anything for Wickham, but then when he <laughs> went to Wimbledon, he did something, and now he's playing for Ipswich and has been bought for a million plus. So, do you know what? Maybe he's in the right system with this one. Let's see how he goes, but give him the bloody chance. Yeah, our, our fan base are really frustrating me at the minute. I mean, yeah, if you wrote down on a piece of paper the perfect owners, they would get you out of trouble. They'd clear your debt. They'd give your manager time uh, and be loyal. They'd give your manager a competitive budget. They would allow your manager to make... Um, the football in decisions without interfering themselves um, and they'd communicate with the supporters. The Kuigs have done all of that and all I've heard is criticism about the Kuigs. The Kuigs haven't, first of all, haven't made the signing. They've made the funds available for Blooms and the team to make the signings. Um, the other point that, that I've got to make is like, we, we sign somebody on loan. Everyone's moaning, oh, another bloody loan player. We don't sign anyone. Oh, it's boring. This club shit. We've got no ambition. We signed somebody who scored goals in this division for another team in a similar position to us in the league, and people are still moaning. What the hell do people want? We somebody tweet. I I put a tweet out pretty much saying that earlier, and somebody tweeted me and said if we signed Kevin De Bruyne, somebody would find something to moan about, and I genuinely believe that is true. There there, there are certain people, particularly on Twitter, who make comments about things that they have absolutely no idea about and go out of their way to be negative to get a reaction. We've said this before. Those players are going to see that. That young lad is going to go onto that Wickham Twitter. He was actually tagged in it as well, which makes it even worse. And he's going to see all of those negative comments. This guy has moved away from home, moved his family, come to a new club, excited to get started, keen and hungry to get going. 
and 60% of the fan base are slating him before he started with absolutely no evidence of what they're saying. Oh, the guy's numbers, he scored 15 goals in five years or whatever it is. Look at what he's done now. This is what I said about Lyle Taylor. Look at what he's done in the last six or eight months. He scored six goals. He would be our second top scorer. Get off the kid's back. Let's talk about the the not-so-good news. Uh, One player who won't be lining up alongside our newest recruit, uh, as as Adam mentioned, is Killian Phillips, whose season-long loan was cut short in favour of the player finishing his season at Aberdeen. Uh, That's three loanees now who have come to the club only to have their spell ended early, including... Harry Boys, who Harry Boyles, who uh, who assisted, uh, who, who assisted in the opening goal uh, against us on Saturday. Um, guys, is this some sort of new parent club strategy? I know we've discussed that before in terms of sending someone out, gauging performances for the first half of the season, then sending them either up or down depending on those performances. Or <clears throat> dark speculation here: could there be a more concerning issue with the club? It's happening across the leagues. If you look. Quite a lot of teams are doing. It's not just the ones that we've had loan players from. Um, I think it's a new trend now. They're just seeing how people do it. Like you say, people are, they're seeing how people are doing for half a season and seeing if they can get them a better move or, or drop them down just to get them to com- uh, confidence. But I, I don't think it's just us. And I can't criticise Blooms and that for, for that. And also, those players who are left apart from Phillips didn't exactly light the place up, did they? Let's be honest. No, I think, like Damo said, took the words out of my mouth, really. It, it's happening up and down the pyramid. I think there is much more of a of a focus on these young players going out and getting games because the under-23s football is, isn't is a great standard. You know, we saw from um, from Kean Brecken, didn't we, just, just how much he struggled um, at this level when he dropped down. And I think what clubs are doing is they're sending their players out exactly as you said, Michael, looking at what they're doing and then working out if that's the right level for them. We're never going to stand in the way of somebody bettering themselves and look, regardless of what people say about the Scottish League, going up there, um, playing in, a, in different surroundings in much bigger crowds is going to be a, a huge benefit for Killian. And let's be completely honest about it. Look, he's, he's been a really good player for us, but he's not been a first-team regular. He's not been a player who's come in, played 90 minutes for 20 games on the trot and been absolutely brilliant. He's been a bit in and out anyway. Um so, look, best of luck to him. I think I love his passion. It's so rare that you see a lone player with that passion. Best of luck to him. But, um, but yeah, I don't think it's a it's a negative on the club at all. I think it's just a sign of the times. Um, FFP does all sorts of weird things as well. I don't know if there's, you know, an agreement that we're paying a certain amount of his wages and, you know, clubs need to get his wages off the wage bill to make other signings. I don't know. But I, I suspect it's a sign of the times rather than a sign of Wickham Wanderers. As Damo said, it's happening across the board, so I'm not so worried, to be honest. Um, I think it's just what's happening now. Premier League teams, uh, especially youth academies, are now farms. They are literally milking these young players for as much as they're worth, sending them out different places, see how much money they can get from them from their loans, because obviously we're paying for their wages but we'll be paying fees to have them as well like whether that be pittance or whatever these academies are all you know financially motivated Aberdeen have offered something more because they like the look of it yeah probably off see you later there you go he's in a league where he's going to be coming up you know maybe one or two games a season against 60,000 40,000 50,000 people um you know that will test whether he can deal with these high uh, octane atmospheres for when he goes to plays for Palace or whether actually he's not suited for that and he sits himself in the championship side and they sell him for a few million. When you've got Portsmouth buying potentially buying players for like a million in this league and Ipswich were doing it last season as well, you know, you've got play a lot of players in these Premier League academies that are League One slash lower championship quality. Um, and essentially, these academies need to move these players through faster than they've ever done before. They can't give them three four years to develop now it's you know six months and to see whether they're good enough and if they're good enough they can get them away for the championship there's a player from Blackburn that's being touted that's probably going for like 30 odd million is it Ryan Wharton or something like that I, I believe he's going for 33 yeah. million to is it Palace or Brighton or yeah, somewhere like that million, uh that that tells you yeah that tells you how quickly these things move 
I mean, the fact that Ali's gone, you know, was was part of Swansea's academy and is now going to Ipswich for a, you know one plus million. I've touched on Ali again, but that just you know that tells you how quickly these clubs and how much more money the lower leagues have got now than they used to have. So it's just a changing facet of the game that we're going to have to get used to. And the thing is as well, I don't mind it as much because if we're going to be loaning, using loan players, we've got to get the most out of them if we want to keep them, which we have done with Potts, for example. You know, we've done that with Freddie Potts and he's making the most of it. And that's why we want to keep him on. Um, Killian, as you said, Adam, was great and I loved his passion and it was such a shame that we didn't get to say go- goodbye. Um, he wasn't he wasn't a first team regular. I think that's the only shame with like Harry Boys and and obviously and uh, Killian Phillips is the fact that we you know we didn't get a send off or anything like that and a thank you. It was just out through the back door and see you later. Well, we're saying thank you on this podcast. So thank you to every uh, loanee that came in through the door over the course of this season. Uh, yeah, a lot of transfer business between now and the end of play on Thursday. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think my prediction is it's probably going to be a bit quiet, usually is, isn't it? I think we've done so much business already. Um, but yeah, a left back would be um, very much appreciated. So if you're listening, club... <clears throat> left back, please. Thank you. Um, before we get on to Cheltenham, a couple of really, really quick bits. We need to talk about something good, and I've got a bit of good news. Um, and that is massive congratulations to our chair girls who are through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup after beating Eastleigh 4-3 on penalties, uh, showing the boys how it's done. They'll face Bournemouth in this semi-final the first week of February. That's uh, well, that's this weekend at the 1878 Stadium in Burnham. So if you can get down there, show the girls your support. That would be great. Go on, girls. Good luck. Uh, next, uh, Cup Action. Uh, we're actually recording this a day early. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, yeah, Cup Action. On Wednesday, we're playing Brighton under-21s. The winner will go through to the semis. We don't have a lot of time to talk about this, so I'm going to leave the score prediction. Uh, BDSM Cup expert, Damo, what's the score going to be? Go on, make a prediction. Nostradamo, go on. Oh, I don't really shackled or tied down to any sort of uh, real prediction, but um, I'm going to go for 3-1 to us. I love it. I love it. Well done. Thank you very much, BDSM expert. Um, Cheltenham, uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, our next game uh, trip to fellow strugglers Cheltenham Town this coming Saturday is a must-win game. Cheltenham know a thing or two about hard times, having gotten their season off to the worst imaginable start, needing 13 games to register their first win and 12 games to score their very first goal. But things are slowly improving under new boss Daryl Clark. Like Fleetwood, they've also become very difficult to get a result from, posing stiff tests for promotion contenders Derby and Bolton, and even beating league leaders Portsmouth earlier this month. Lads, same question. It's a different podcast, but the question remains the same. Uh, What do we need to do on Saturday to end this stinky run of form once and for all? Keep hold of the ball. Use it well. Stick to the basics and don't overcomplicate stuff. High press, energetic. You know, we do, we all refer to that performance up at Fleetwood away. Exactly the same as that. Let's go out aggressive, pressing high, try and catch them on the hop a bit, and um, you know, let's let's see what it does. It it hasn't worked doing it any other way. Um, that said. Um, I think you'll come to predictions in a minute, so I'll uh, I'll go through it then. But that said, I think it's going to be a scrappy, horrible game. I think we need to reproduce the performances against uh, Peterborough and Derby away because I think that level of performance will be good enough to beat Cheltenham. Uh, and I just think we need to make sure that we don't fall into the old trap of lowering ourselves down to their level because they're not they're not our level. They are they're a worse team than us. Um, I've, I wholeheartedly believe that, even with our horrible form. And so, yeah, play at the level we, we know we can do away, and we have done this season, even in the bad run, and I think we'll have enough to beat them. You do a disservice to Daryl Clark, Damo. I think he's done an absolutely phenomenal job coming in there and turning around their fortunes. I know they're struggling down mm. the bottom, but do you know what? Bloody hell, considering where they were, uh, he's given them a fighting chance, hasn't he? So we can't I still think they're off. worse than us, though. I still think they're worse than us. Well, they are, but purely in the fact that 
our squad has that level of talent that it does. We we should not be in the position we're in, but we are in the position we're in. And in terms of form at the moment, they're they're on par with us really. So probably a bit, bit better because they've actually won more games recently than we have. Um, look. I think it's purely simple. If we go out and play aggressive, expansive football, we'll probably get a decent result. If we go out there a bit nervous, a bit panicky, we're not going to get anything. It'll be a scrappy draw. It depends how we set up, how we decide to go out and our attitude. And that's, that's purely what it will come down to. We set up right and our attitude's right, which hopefully maybe tomorrow night might help with, um, you know, a bit of BDSM gets anyone in good spirits sometimes. Just depends. It's going to be the right person, isn't it? So we need to whip the moon to shape. Whip the, whip whip the moon to shape. Yeah. <laughs> um, segment, a question. A question that I want to put to you guys actually quickly. Um, a lot has been said about the, the the cup being, you know, our kind of primary route to glory this season. Um, surely the focus should be on Saturday rather than the game tomorrow, right? Surely. Mm. No, because I think it's a good springboard. I think it's a good opportunity to, you know, we win tomorrow with two games away from Wembley. I mean, at the moment, as it stands, and this might change, but we're most likely to play Peterborough in the semi-final, which isn't going to be easy. But, you know, if we beat Peterborough, we're, we're at Wembley, and that's that's a great day out for everyone involved. Um, I think that will help, it, you know, lift the spirits a bit and also it gives our younger players a bit of hunger as well I, you know after they've put the training photos up from yesterday it's nice to see Luca Woodhouse getting involved in so many of them you know I think these dev players is such a good opportunity to show how good they are uh, and what they're worth the fact that we've also had four players signed on for longer term contracts this week is another massive success of the dev, dev squad um and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these players in, you know, in and around on the subs bench in the next few months. I think it's really, really exciting. But that's that's what it's there for. And I think let's let's use that as positive momentum. Let's get back to Cheltenham. We've uh, we've struggled against them recently. They did the double over us last season with an aggregate score of four nil. Uh, and prior to that, we played out that insane five all draw in February twenty two. Uh, total record against the Robins stands at fifteen wins with fifteen draws and twelve defeats. So very balanced overall, and uh, and away there as well. It's it's just as mixed. Um, so with that in mind, um, what are we going score predictions for Saturday? Demo, Nostradamo, kick us off, mate. They haven't got Alfie May anymore, so that's a positive for us. I'm going to go for 2-1 to us. Um, I asked Lockie before I did the pod what he thought the score was going to be, and he said 2-0. But I think we're going to break two ducks on Saturday. I think this is going to be the first time that we go behind and win a match. Mm. And I think we're going to break our uh, hideous recent record. I think we're going to win 3-1. Dare I ask, Mr. 5-3? You don't need to ask me, do you? It's happening. I put a bet on it this weekend, just like I put on a bet on it last weekend. It's going to happen. Bookies bookies must love your money right now. Um, I am going hey, to I'm go... Hey, I'm doing all right, me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I'm kind of with Adam on this. I, I'm feeling. Um. I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I mean, it, it has been noted when we mentioned it a couple of minutes ago that Daryl Clark's doing a really good job with Cheltenham. It'd be a real shame to see him go down as well. I've, for some reason, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Cheltenham. Also, really massively helped by the fact that they've now got Curtis Thompson, who I adore. And uh, you know, as we mentioned on the podcast last season, we we practically were mourning the loss of him. Uh, so it'd be a nice reunion there. I hope he's doing well. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't think it's going to be three-one, but I reckon it's going to be a two-one. And uh, yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised if we perhaps went uh, a goal behind. And uh, I think it'd be a really good opportunity to show our metal and um, and really kind of you know break that duck as well. I'd love to see it. 2-1, I don't care if it's coming from behind or if we go 2-0 two, two up and it's a bit of a nervy finish, but I'd love to see it. Um, but I think, uh, as, as we've mentioned, it's going to be uh, an ugly test, um, but one that I think that we should be able to overcome. Uh, that will do it for this week. Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. 
If you haven't done already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys and hopefully free points on the board. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.